Hey everyone, I'm Adam. This is How Movies Get Made yet again, featuring this time Ross Grogan, commercial producer extraordinaire, innovator in the industry. Thank you for taking the time to be with me. Thank you. Ross and I talk about some predictions for what commercials are going to look like post-COVID. And then we chat about how creators can use branding as a personal tool. Lastly, tips on building your team of collaborators. So what's your latest project that you've been working on? So um, I actually have a new company called Producing, and we are a business intelligence platform for uh, media and entertainment. So we are actually bringing in uh, more automation into budgeting, um, developing business tools uh, to really help uh, production companies accelerate their uh, business. First question on that, how do you see people scaling down productions going forward, whether it's for health safety reasons or financial reasons? And then the second question, how is ProduZen really going to help that goal? So one of the things that we've done in producing is we've actually built out a Slack channel community. Um, and right now we have over 350 uh, producers within that Slack channel that are actually collaborating, working on best practices uh, for dealing with Corona um, and kind of the uncertainty of our industry moving forward. You know, we're used to uh, on the commercial side, you know, cranking out a production in three weeks with <clears throat> crews of 150 people or more. Paul Adley of MLA, who was on one of our panels recently, he talked about how we're going to be scaling up as a small production first, getting up to eventually back to normal. But when that normal is going to happen, we don't know. And if that normal is going to be when a vaccine hits or when we're able to really test and really, really follow the, uh, COVID around and make sure that it's not hitting our set specifically. Right. So that's imperative that you're putting together a community. You know, there's Facebook groups and things like that too, but you know, having a centralized space to really right. strategize and brainstorm is, is really essential. So that's, yeah. that's really cool. We, we've been doing these really cool round tables every Tuesday mm -hmm. uh, with about 30 producers that are sitting there uh, and, and they're all stuck at home doing nothing because we can't produce. Right. So we're, we're having these uh, dialogues about how do we get back to work? You know, mm -hmm. how do you tackle craft service on a set? Mm -hmm. um, that's a totally new animal when you're talking about an infectious disease. Mm -hmm. um, and our next one uh, coming up is about uh, medics on set, how the role of a medic is going to be uh, changing. Um, so we're actually bringing on a couple of medics that we know here in L.A. and in New York uh, to really dive into that dialogue. Um, we have to think about simplistic things on set that change, like what's your nearest hospital? Back in the day, you just threw that on a call sheet. Now we have to look at that and go, well, can that hospital take anybody if, it gets, if they get mm -hmm. sick or injured um, or are they overwhelmed with COVID? So we have to look at things a little bit different. So it's going to be a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely novel. Uh, the virus, let alone the impacts it has on our way of working. Like you said, usually it's such like a concentrated amount of time. You know, you're, you prep, you shoot, you wrap, you get the people you need together and they're all there doing it. But now we're going to have to have a lot more physical separation and, and, and whatnot and, and sanitary measures in place. Yeah, and some of the protocols that are being put in place, uh, like like at Tyler Perry Studio in, mm -hmm. in um, Atlanta, yeah. they won't work for what we do in commercials on our side of things. Because right. you can't take a uh, crew and quarantine them for 14 days for a one-day shoot. It just it, it, it literally make doesn't make any sense. Financially, it's just right. not possible. It barely uh, makes sense for a movie, <laughs> but it kind of well, works well, with you, his model. When you're, in, but. when you're in some of the bigger movies, like, you know, paying for 14 days more on your crew, 
um, it, it can work. Um, but on a commercial that you're talking about, average commercial is less than $200,000 of the sh shooting day. Mm -hmm. That's paying for that entire crew for 14 days. It just isn't ever going to be feasible. Yeah, brands are not going to get on board with that as a necessity. They're going to probably want to gravitate toward more of a much scaled down approach, right? Yeah, which I think like a lot of what you're going to see coming up uh, from brands is either, again, use footage of existing things, Zoom videos that we've seen already popping mm -hmm. up from Budweiser to other brands jumping into it, mm -hmm. or you're going to see uh, animated, a lot of animation mm -hmm. uh, is going to be popping up. Um, but then also I think what you're going to see is a lot of docu style, uh, productions where it's, it is a guy with a camera going out or a small crew with a camera and really capturing a moment mm. more so than these big, huge sets and mm. 150 extras. Mm. Um, that stuff is really going to be, uh, I think what leads. So any of the directors that are out there that are kind of in that docu style director DP, uh, they're going to be really accelerating to the front. Yeah. So are you and Purdue Zen taking the kind of hints off of these Slack conversations and these centralized community conversations that you're putting together with the roundtables, et cetera? Are you using that uh, to develop the way of the future for these things? So, yeah. So we're working with our community to really build out business tools um, for how producers actually work. Um, a lot of, a lot of technology, just cause technology exists, doesn't mean you should use it. Right. Um, and one of the things that I think people are afraid of is hearing the word automation. Um, they think that it's going to take their job. Really what we're trying to do, uh, is bring, uh, augmented intelligence to help take away some of the burden and some of the unnecessary, um, I think tasks that you have to do, um, in your daily life. And if we can free that up to have your be able to be more creative on your project or spend more time landing your next client. That's what we're aiming to do as a company. Cool. Well, that definitely sounds great. And I wish you the best of luck with it. I, I can't wait to use it myself going forward. Uh, I know there's a lot of creators in our audience that are aspiring to do commercial work, but may not feel like that's a good goal anymore because of these constraints. Um, I tend to think, and I think you share a similar opinion, like you were saying, you know, if you scale it down to getting those moments with a camera and maybe a few other folks going out and getting these more naturalistic moments rather than like the constructed staged narrativized kind of stuff, you know, um, what are some of the aspirational words of wisdom you can give to those kind of creators moving forward? Well, it depends on the avenue you want to go. If we're talking to a, someone that wants to be a director and a content creator, first off, you are the brand. You are your own brand. You have to, uh, have to define that brand as something. I've seen too many directors come and they show me a reel that's all over the place that has a lot of different spots and they're not a specific brand. I can't sell them. Um, my job as an EP when I was running my production company was to sell my directors right. and I need to know that story. I need to, I need to tell the story about that director. Are they a comedy guy? Are they a car guy? Um, are they, um, uh, fashion? What, what, what is that story that they are? Um, and so as a, uh, up and coming director, you have to figure out what you want to be known as. Um, comedy is always one of the hot, hot sellers, um, because it's really hard to do. 
Um, if you can nail comedy, you're going to have a great career. Um, but I also want to encourage people not to think um, so much of it's just being in commercials. Nowadays, content is content. And you have directors that do feature films, two commercials. I mean, we were talking about Ridley Scott earlier. Ridley Scott's one of the most pro uh, prolific uh, directors of all times. Uh, you know, he also defined our industry on the commercial side with 1984, yeah. um, with Apple's 1984 that no one knew what it was about with Macintosh and that was the brilliance of it. Um, but, but what's interesting about that I personally really like about commercials is that if they're done well, you're telling an amazing story in 30 seconds and 60 seconds. And there are some really, really great storytellers out there that can do that. Um, it is a challenge that is different than telling a long narrative or even doing episodic television. Um, doing a commercial well is a craft of its own that is just such, like when you see it all come together, I think it's something really special. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. And it, it, you know, it might sound to some folks like, oh, well then does that mean I have to pigeonhole myself? But to your point, not only does that type of storytelling apply to so many other formats, like Ridley Scott has gone on from commercials right. to do music videos, feature films, TV, et cetera, you know, but the, the kind of work that you're able to present is just one kind of work you're presenting at one particular time, right? Like you can have that fashion reel, but also go out and make crazy short films too. Uh -huh. I, I think one of the biggest challenges uh, when selling a director is when you yeah. have an agency approaches us and we, we talk to them about what they want and we try to give them the director that fits within their creative that they've come up with. Right. And it's very frustrating sometimes when they're like, okay, we want a, we want a director that has shot a green apple. And you're like, cool, I've got this director. He shoots red apples all the time. And they're like, yeah, but does he shoot green apples? Yeah. And you're like, and you, and that like, you have to be a salesperson as an EP to carry your agency over the line to have them feel comfortable with taking a risk or, or challenging. Um, you know, years back I got, uh, I was doing a lot of work with actually Hasbro mm. uh, when we first started the company. They actually were a great tentpole uh, client of ours when we were launching. Uh, and, and we got approached to do Monopoly um, which was a really great rebranding for Monopoly. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm like doing what I was doing. I'm getting paid to do what I was doing when I was a kid, play Monopoly. Like mm -hmm. it was a fun thing to go down. And they wanted to try to switch things up. And so we went out and we got an amazing director named Gil Green, who is a music video director. And he directs um, music videos like Lil Wayne and mm -hmm. Puff Daddy and like, and, or P Diddy, whatever. sorry, I'm, I'm old. Yeah. So I can say Puff Daddy. <laughs> But, um, but he, like, we took this gangster rap video director and we put him on Monopoly and he killed it for us because he took this swagger to kids. All new Monopoly millionaire, the first to a million wins. I want to be a millionaire, so very bad. So bad. I love the things I never had. We did about six shoots with him over the next couple of years with Monopoly and with Hasbro. And, um, and we also did other projects with him too. And he, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, actually, one of my favorites is that we did a red stripe uh, in Jamaica. 
um, yeah. with him. So traveling down to Kingston and spending uh, some time down there shooting was really great being on that. That was the same director who did that Monopoly spot? Yeah. So so we, we so again, you, you don't... You never know what's going to stick, right? Right. And yeah. and you can you can find those moments that, that uh, you know, we, we were able to do that with Gil and sell him on that one because Gil has deep ties with Jamaica. Mm. And so we're like, we have the perfect director. So... Mm. You have to be careful about being pigeonholed to something. But if I can't sell you because you're not identifiable as anything, I'm never going to sell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were there were directors that we had that that definitely you know people were not able to see outside of what they were known for, and right. that does become a problematic. And what directors can do, and what a production company can do, is if they believe that that director. Um, or that director believes in themselves, they can go off and even late in their career, do spec spots to show that they can do something else to revamp their career, to show that they can go in a different direction. Um, That is something that is always at their fingertips. It takes an investment, whether that's uh, a financial investment or just sweat equity into it. Um, But it takes, it takes that belief in yourself that you can go and do it and then going off and doing it. Totally. And Filmmaking and content creation, like you're alluding to, is so entrepreneurial these days, whether it's marketing your own content in a specific angle like you're talking about and crafting a reel for X expertise of yours or X type of content. Um, But you went ahead as a producer and started your own production company. What were some of the decisions that you were facing at the time of starting Calvary Productions that kind of influenced you to work with directors like that on like a roster basis? Well, it was interesting because I I was coming up through production. I got started off as a PA. Actually, I got started off as a PA at RSA with Ridley Scott. Oh, nice. Years ago. Um, But I was coming up through production and uh, I had landed as head of production at a certain production company. Um, And I... The company failed. It was about 2009 uh, with the economic downturn and the company failed. And we had been doing producing all of this um, uh, web content at the time, which was unique and, uh, and kind of a niche. It wasn't uh, as well known as it is now. But like uh, we were doing, uh, I think we did like 56 episodes in less than six months of, of web content for like Tylenol and craft and a bunch of things. And uh, the director of photography that I was friends with um, that I had brought into the company, uh, he approached me and was like, let's go start a company. This company just shut down and all those clients are still out there and we can do, we were doing it anyways, let's go do it. Mm-hmm. We landed Hasbro in a way that was um, also based off that company that I was working with before, the guy who was my job in New York at their office in New York um, he, uh, had landed at Hasbro after the company had shut, shut wow. down. So I called him up and I was like, Hey, I want to work with you. Here's this. And they had a small little, uh, 30,000 corporate, uh, $30,000 corporate video. Mm-hmm. And we bit out the video and we did not get the job. Uh, they turned us down and I called him up and I was like, Hey, like, I thought we were going to get this job. And he's like, yeah, I was triple bidding it. Like, you knew. And like, um, my boss basically said, he knows you're a new company and he was worried that if you guys failed, you guys wouldn't be able to rec- like, like fix it. And so I was like, okay, well he doesn't know us. And yeah. let me, I was like, let me buy you guys a drink when you're in town with that other company to convince you why. 
And um, so I went and met them at the Montreal when they were in, in town. I showed up for one drink. I said, this is all the amazing things we're going to do for you. This is why you're going to want to work with us. And I bought that drink and I got up to leave and they're like, you're not staying around for another drink. I know I, I said one drink <laughs> and, uh, and I told you I could convince you off of one drink and I left and they gave us the opportunity to do a $410,000 job. So we went from losing a $35,000 job to doing a $410,000 job. Hmm. And uh, basically, he, he also said that his job was on the line because he was taking the risk for, for hiring us. Hmm. And we were like, great, this is amazing. We're going to go off and do this. And um, we realized that Hasbro doesn't pay up front, and we had to fund the whole thing ourselves. Hmm. And so within three weeks, we had to raise around $300,000 to front the production. Wow. So that was terrifying. Yeah. We, we, both me and my business partner uh, gutted our bank accounts. Uh, he actually uh, had his mom uh, close out her 401k for 60 days where there wasn't going to be a penalty. I mean, we risked everything. Wow. And, and I, usually when you're bidding a project, there's at least a percentage up front. That, up front. We usually right. get anywhere between it on the bad end. It can be 25 on the good end. It can be 75%. Right. Up front. But this was, they don't pay up front. So we had to fund it. Um, but we had, a, this was a moment as a company was that make or break moment to kick you up to another mm -hmm. uh, level of production. Yeah. And so we went off and did that and there. We didn't ever put in a plan B. There was never going to be a plan B. We were just going to nail plan A. We were going to go off and do it. And we killed it on the project. Um, they talked about it for several years after it as the best production that they've ever done. And we landed a majority of their work. We basically started being Hasbro's West Coast office for nice. all their production. And uh, it was because we took a massive risk to do it and put mm -hmm. ourselves out there. And I think that's what part of the entrepreneurial spirit is, is you have to put yourself out there and you have to take those risks. Yeah. But you have to do so in the ways that you know you're going to land there. You know you're going to be able to do it. And you have to believe in yourself to go do it. So that's right. kind of how we got started. And, uh, right. and then we built the company. Uh, I bought my business partner out a number of years later. Um, but we built the company up and to eventually be working with brands like Nike, Alfa Romeo, uh, Lexus, and, and, and a number of other brands that were top-tier brands and top-tier agencies as well. That's a really cool story. and you know really speaks to knowing what you are capable of. Like you're saying, like you had been ahead of production, you had been through the ringer as a PA, you know, all that experience benefited you to know that you could execute this. And it would be the same thing for any sort of creative who's selling their work on their own, yeah. you know, but there are a lot of creators who are newer and do need the guidance of someone like yourself. You know, there's a lot of one man bands, but, and one woman bands, but like, you know, there is, a lot of utility that comes from working with a collaborator and yeah. you've been that collaborator for a lot of directors uh, over the years, whether it's at those companies that you were working for or your own. Um, what are some of the more entrepreneurial stories you've seen from them? Uh, I think, I think some of the things that I love are some of the younger directors on, um, just their drive. When you get around someone that is really creative and really trying to push, um, you can recognize it. 
Um, and that, that is what I think I, one of my favorite things with the director and working with the director, we had a director, uh, Travis Hanor, who was, um, on our roster. Um, he was a fantastic sports director. Um, and he put together the most beautiful treatments and treatments are basically decks that help sell, uh, the director's vision of the, of what the agency creative is and his stuff was so gorgeous and so well put together, like that would land him jobs nonstop. And he was just, he was such an ease to work with. I think one of the things that is very important as a director is just personality on set. The easier you are to work with, the more people want to work with you. Uh, the days of being an asshole director and raging at people are kind of dead. Yeah. Um, so, um, but like- The 80s have come and gone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But like, uh, you know, having, having directors that have great talent and great vision that you feel a part of a team when you're on set with them and there's a different energy when everything's running smoothly and, and the, mm -hmm. and the team is running well. Um, we had an up and coming, um, director named George Ninehouse that he, uh, was really great because he also put together really talented people around him. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I, seen is that you know a director might be a great director but if they're working with their buddy that is a really crappy dp mm. they're going to be really crappy content that they're putting out right. so george was really great because he was going after dps that were um that that a lot of people might be like hey i'm not sure if i should reach out to them he was going after good talent and surrounding himself with good talent and his producers were good talent mm. like that that kind of mentality of who you build around you should elevate you like yeah. they should bring and lift you up even as a director don't 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 be you got to be humble in that sense you got to be humble to go i want to work with a dp that is going to shine that mm -hmm. is maybe going to shine a little bit brighter than i but it will bring me up to his level like if you can do that mentality i think it helps you uh, elevate your content for sure and you've proven to put good teams together over the years so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about a lot of this stuff. I definitely owe you a drink when we can grab one uh, moving forward. And uh, But yeah, this has been How Movies Get Made. Uh, Ross, how can people find more about you and your work? Sure. Uh, you can go to producing.com, which is P-R-O-D-U-Z-E-N.com. And there you can sign up for the community and join the Slack channel. Awesome. I'm going to do it right now. All right. Thanks for your time, Ross. I'll talk All to right, you later. Thank you. Back to you, sir.